Welcome to Parallel Leaders. Every week, we come alongside you and focus on eight growth points to address the obstacles holding you back. Not only do you need to grow as a leader, but your team, your systems, your numbers, your finances, the expectations, the facilities, and your culture must grow. If you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or department under the microscope of these eight growth points, you will optimize your effectiveness as a leader. And today's podcast is all about equipping you with the tools and conversations you need to move forward. So let's go. So change is hard as a leader. I don't know if you know this. It is hard to lead change. And, you know, leading change is hard. It's hard to to move people to a more desirable future. You would think, like, that's what leadership is, moving people to a more desirable future. And, you know, you'd think everyone wants to do that, but that's not true. Like, people are stuck. People are, uh, that's why we need leaders. That's why we need people like you, because we have this propensity as humans to stay in the same thing, like to not want to take new steps. And, um, and so it's just difficult, but then it's even more difficult in a culture that keeps changing. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like the culture we serve in keeps changing. And so the dynamics that we, cha- that we lead in are different today than they were five years ago, than where they were 10 years ago. And, you know, like I even remember five years ago, we would talk about this and I would have to belabor this point with people and be like, you know that like the culture is shifting around you. And people would look at you and I'm like, yeah, like, and they try to give some examples. But now it's like, you know, well, like, you just see, like, the world pre-COVID and post-COVID. Doesn't it feel, like, different? Like, stuff has changed. This is different. Um, you know, there, things have shifted in our culture. Um, you know, the, 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 you know, politically, things have got, like, really divisive. Like, even the fact that I just said politically, some of you in the room are like, oh, my goodness. It's a fact. Where I used to be able to say that five years ago, and it would be like, eh, what are you talking about? I guess they're kind of divided. But now it's, like, really divided. Like, you do not want to talk about things because it could blow up in your face. Um, so change is hard, but it's even more hard in uh, kind of a changing culture, how the, you know, the, the world, the context we change in. Years ago, I sat down with a friend at one of those fancy restaurants, and we were talking about this. And you know when someone says something to you and it sticks in your brain, you cannot get it out, stuck in your brain. That's what this person did. He, we were talking about this, and they said, yeah, this is the way I think about leadership. And we were in one of those fancy restaurants with the craft paper and the crayons. You know, those, that's like highbrow restaurant. Uh, and so he's on the table in front of me. He draws out this this right here. Now it obviously didn't look that nice because it was in crayons, and it was an, it was a line like that, and there are arrows on both ends, and then a and then a little hash mark in the middle. And this friend of mine, dear friend, who's led a whole bunch of different stuff, said, you know, I, the way I think about it is this. So this line represents everything that your church does. This represents everything that Parallel Church does. And that little hash mark in the middle, everything on this side of the line is pushing the mission forward. It's, it's making us more like the church that God's called us to be. Now, everything on that side of the line is slowing us down. It is making us not be as effective. Um, now, just even that alone is a lot to admit for, to you as a leader that there are things here at Parallel today that we are doing that are pushing us forward, and there are some things that are slowing us down. That may be a novel idea for you, but it is true. There are things that we do, even related to our whole conversation from this morning when we started. Like, there there are things that we just do that we keep doing because they're museum-y, and eventually they'll end up in the mausoleum phase, uh, and we've got to figure out what those things are, but they're here. They are in our midst. Now, the difficulty is, over time, what takes place is, next slide, and he draws another line out, and he says, you know, 
the culture changes, the culture shifts. And now, and then draws with this other line, and then goes to the next slide. There's this weird zone that's represented by that blue box, which is things that we used to do as an organization that before the culture shifted, they were effective. They actually did help push the mission forward. But because the context, that other line changed, because the world that we're in changed, now, if we just keep doing those things in the same way, they, our, our ministry will be less effective. They will, you know, they'll slow us down. Um, and so, like, examples from that in my ministry career. So this is going to give you a little shed, a little bit of light of how long I've been in ministry. This stuff was not actually happening when I first started. But I remember early on in ministry, people talking about bus ministry. Now, have you guys ever done bus ministry? You probably did at some point. Um, so bus ministry. There were churches, including this church, that used to have buses that would drive around the neighborhood and pick up kids and say, Hey, kids, why don't you come to church on Sunday morning? Hey, little kitties, get on our bus and come to church. Just saying it, it sounds creepy. You're like, that is just wrong. Like, if we tried that today, hopefully we don't do bus ministry anymore. Um, I'd be stepping on all kinds of problems. Um, I'm leaving. It's fine. Um, you know, if you kept doing that today, like, obviously, that's like an obvious example. You know, people would look at parallel church and they would say, what exactly does parallel mean? Like, what? That's very odd. They pick up children. And, but it was legit ministry. Like, that was like you, it was, it was a well-worn way to reach communities. And it was, comes from a great spot. And actually, like, it, it tapped into something that we know, which is if you can reach ki people's kids that their parents do tend to follow. Like, that is, that's all true. But that, why does that not work anymore? Well, it's because... The line has shifted. Things, the culture has shifted around us. Now, that's like an extreme example, but the, the problem is it's very difficult to see what's in that blue zone. It's very difficult to see what that. And so what we're going to talk about, next slide, is three things that I think are three ways that the culture has shifted um, that it, 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 these are early kind of ideas that have kind of that I think are, you know, they're, 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 and when you talk about culture, it's like very hard to kind of nail down. They're things that I think have shifted that are impacting how we should serve. And so that what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these things, like I said, throw it to you, and you're going to talk about it at your group. How do you see those things impacting your ministry? And then, you know, the ultimate question is, are there things we should change because of that, um, if that makes sense? So three things that are three cultural shifts that are impacting our church. Let's look at the next slide. So the first one is this. Trust in church leaders declined during the pandemic, and it wasn't in a great place to start. So I don't know if you have seen the statistics on this, but um, there was, uh, so church leaders, which I'd put us all in, if you're, whether you're, you know, on staff or not, um, during the pandemic are, are the overall, Gallup does a, a are, and again, these American statistics, don't shoot me, um, Gallup looks at a whole bunch of different careers and says, who has the trusted um, you know, who is, who's the most trusted and who's the least trusted of industries. And there were a number that made big shifts during the, uh, the pandemic. Can anyone think of one that went big, like went up really, really well that do you just even think in the last couple of years, what's, what's a role that everybody's like, man, we, they're, we trust them more now. Can you think of what that might be? Medical. So nurses, particularly nurses went uh, way up on the list during the pandemic. People were like, wow, those people are amazing. Uh, there was one other that went up, took a big jump up during the pandemic. Anyone just guess, just guess, it's just interesting, kind of, what's that? 
teachers, ding, 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 ding. That's the other one. People looked at teachers and were like, man, teachers, they are amazing. The fact they put up with our kids and then we might have given them a disease, like that's pretty incredible. Um, but the, the two that took the biggest drop, one was pastors, religious leaders, uh, was not the largest drop during the pandemic. What do you think the largest drop was? Politicians, exactly, fell to the very bottom of the list. Um, actually, at the very bottom of the list is federal, so senators um, in the states, the least trusted people, in the, which is just like a non-political statement. Isn't that fascinating? Um, but they, you know, we took a, uh, a dramatic fall. Um, there used to be a time, believe it or not, and uh, this is probably none of our lifetimes, but there used to be a time. Does anyone remember the show Little House on the Prairie? Like, that actually was kind of true. Like, the, the, the minister was actually looked at as, like, they're, like, a really trusted person. Like, they were really liked. Like, people actually liked pastors. Now it's like, you know, those people are kind of weird. Like, um, so th- it has taken a huge, a huge drop. So what does this mean? I th- so this is definitely a dynamic. You people look at you and me as leaders in a church, and there is less trust there today than there was four years ago. People look at us with more suspicion. They look at what we do as leaders particularly and are like, "Mm, I don't know about those people. So let's go to the next slide. So this is some of the implications of that. We have to stop assuming people care, um, meaning that they care about us, that they think that we're a big deal at all. Um, You know, that they look at us and think, like we're, you know, we have something to offer. Again, getting back to the Little House on the Prairie kind of silly example, there was a time where pastors, religious leaders, Sunday school teachers were like the most educated people in town and were the people that people look to to solve problems. Now, you know, they don't, they don't do that. So a couple kind of implications of that. There's uh, uh, this one guy who totally respect on this uh, conversation, he tells the story like this. He says, you know, there used to be a time where in Canada, in the States, you know this, Canadians know this more intuitively than Americans. So when I, if I say this in the States, they're like, whoa, that's a really dynamic idea, but you'll get this really quickly because you're smart Canadians. There used to be a time where if you thought about the religious makeup, the kind of religious leadership makeup, it was a rectangle table. On one end of the table were Christians. On the other end of the table were maybe Jewish folks, or maybe uh, maybe it was like Protestants and Catholics were on either end of the table, but like our type of church was on one end of the table, meaning we had like a lot of say, and then there was someone else, you know, maybe Jews, maybe some other group on the other end, and then everybody else was kind of down the side of the table. It was a rectangle table, but there were a couple groups that were super dominant. That's just not true anymore. Uh, we live in a round table world where uh, we are seen at, as, uh, we have lost, uh, as the kind of Christian group in town, we have lost the ability to speak with any kind of authority, um, you know, in, and, we, and have to interact with uh, other religious groups. Even we were talking about this, having other folks that serve in our areas. That's like very typical of, and a good thing. We have to figure out how to do that because that is the, that's the culture that we're in. We no longer sit in a culture where we are seen as like, hey, those are the people we should respect. So I think that's just a, that's a real dynamic. So during the, during the pandemic, QAnon, if you don't know what that is, praise Jesus, you don't know about it, that's great. Compar- conspiracy peddlers are a problem for all of us, regardless of what you think. So the church was, um, has been backed into a corner and been labeled with as being peddlers of conspiracy theories. Um, we're seen as a place where 
like we generate that stuff. People assume that, you know, uh, uh, that's, that is where those things come from. Um, so I think that leads us that we need to think more like missionaries. The other interesting piece of this puzzle is I think many of us have an, a framework in our mind that we think of our culture as post-Christian. Like we think, oh, like this place used to be Christian. And a part of the reason why that is is because you drive around Lethbridge and you, there's like churches here. You drive around and there's like old churches in town and stuff. So you think post-Christian. But it could actually be that we're more pre-Christian, that actually most of the people we're reaching they don't have any context of, of who we are. There's no under, they don't, they, like, so much of what happens here, like, if you were to pull up 15 people from, we were to walk down Lethbridge tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. or 11.30, whatever time your service is, and pull 10 people who weren't in a church anywhere, and said, what happens in churches today? They would be like, I really have no idea. I have no context to what is happening there. Um, I don't, I, they, maybe they sing. They don't have any, you know, it would be similar to you. Like, you're, you're in a, like, a pre um, like if you've never been to a, any other religious ceremony, like have you, have you been to a synagogue, like you would be very hard for you to speak with clarity around what actually happens at a synagogue or like if you haven't been to a mosque, you'd be like, what happens at a mosque? And you'd be like, I really have no idea. That's m most of the people in our culture where I think a lot of us are holding on with this idea that we're, we're post-Christian, that there's like people that we just have to kind of get over some hurdles in their brains and they'll follow Jesus. Well, actually it's, it's more profound than that. They're, they're suspicious of us, and they are, uh, they're, they're pre-Christian. So that's one of the dynamics, that there's a, there's a growing, uh, you know, decline in, you know, trust of, of leaders, particularly church leaders. All right, let's go to the next, uh, next slide here. All right, Gen Z, our friends Gen Z, and then Gen Alpha, which is the group that, that comes after that, uh, say they feel less connected to their church during and post-COVID-19. 43%. That is a staggering statistic. So uh, this is, next slide, as Gen Z goes, there goes your church and mine. So our ability to transmit, the, you know this, but just let this sink in. Our ability to transmit the message of Jesus to the next generation means we, we're one generation away from the gospel being extinct in our culture. We're, and that's always been true. We always have to be thinking about the next generation. Every generation has to turn around and think about what are we doing to pass this thing on. Now, the difficulty has been there's been a number of uh, pressures on Gen Z and Gen, or Gen Z, sorry, and Gen Alpha um, over these last few years that have made this group less connected. And I would argue that this has been, that this group was the most profoundly impacted. I know everyone was profoundly impacted by COVID, but I would say this group was the most profoundly uh, impacted. If you look at the, uh, you know, even just the, the you know, the, the numbers here, if you say the, you know, 19% of 15-year-olds, these are American statistics, so you probably have to cut them in half if you look at, you know, in, in uh, Canadian statistics. You know, 19% of 15-year-olds attend church, rolling 9% of 19-year-olds. There's something that happened for there's like a five or six year window, and I'd be intrigued whether, and when I've talked with churches in details about this, we're all finding this similar window. There's like a profound window of kids in high school and just post high school where they, that they have struggled to keep those people. Now, maybe that's not the case here at Parallel, but um, you know, there's, a, there's a significant issue there. Uh, ambivalent screenagers, I love that name, this idea of people who have, are, um, 
you know, that's a funny way to say it, but it, you know, we're that, that generation, we've given them devices and just said, great, this will raise you. Um, and and that's, um, that's not a, a guilt statement, um, but that is what's happened culturally. We've said, this thing will, will help you. And the difficulty is, I do think we're all gonna look, you know, we look at the, the, the ads back in the 50s for smoking that said eight out of nine uh, doctors recommend Marlboro cigarettes. And we look at that and are like, that's crazy. Like, those people are nuts. Our kids and our grandkids are going to look at the way we handle social media and screens with our kids in the same way. Like, just get used to that. That's going to happen. Eventually, people are going to look at you and say, you're crazy. I can't believe you did that. You were alive when you used to just give people devices? That's unbelievable. Um, and, you know, that has all kinds of, there's tons on this. There are all kinds of, you know, uh, negative stuff there. Um, so there's a number of critical development, you know, developmental pieces that were born, that really did bore the brunt of the pandemic. So they're, you know, in that, say, if you went into the pandemic, say, 12 to 16, 17 years of age, uh, that group in particular, there were a number of social, there are a number of social milestones that that group missed. Um, that are having a profound impact and could have a profound impact us on us uh, long term. So, um, and then you know, like our friends at Apple, Apple Computer. Did you see this thing they released this week? This like the goggles thing, the vision thing. Like uh, this is. I'm sounding more negative than I normally sound. I realize I sound like I'm like a like an old man, a crotchety old. Get off my lawn. But like that thing just seems weird to me. I'm like the saddest part of that was like. There's a guy like cooking at his house and there's a kid. Did you see this video? This is Apple actually put this out. It's a thing, a headset thing that's augmented reality. And there's, instead of, instead of engaging with his kid who happens to be there, he's like cooking while he has this thing on his head and then he like hands his son his dinner. And I was like, wow, if that's the future we're headed for, that does, seems really fairly dystopian. Like that, that would be concerning to me. So uh, there's an issue you're going to have to deal with in your church. I don't know what the answer is. You're going to talk about it in your group in a minute. Um, all right, last one. Uh, the, let's take a look at this. So our commitment model has changed probably forever. Um, so when I started in ministry, which again, I'm sounding like an old man, I, the first church I worked for, which is not that long ago, like that's, you know, 30 years ago, 90s, that was 30 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, we started, we had Sunday morning service. This is what we'd say to people. This is what we my commitment model. We'd say, come to church on Sunday morning. Then we're going to have a great Sunday morning service. We also had Sunday morning adult, uh, adult Bible schools. So, so you do that too. And then you come back on Sunday night and you'd come for a different service. You did not have to wear a tie to that service. You could come without a tie at that service. And then you would do a small group because we were just starting small groups. So you'd also have a small group. And then Wednesday night, you'd come back and you would do Bible study or you'd do a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Uh, so we did, and that was just considered normal. Like that was not, that commitment model was not for leaders of the church. That was just like, that's what everybody did. You should do all those things. If you're a part of our church, you do that. Five or six different things. And we've all seen this, right? What has happened over time? We've we have cut a bunch of those things, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Like, we've cut a bunch of that stuff. And now our commitment model is, could you please show up, like, once a month would be amazing. Like, if you came here once, 1.3 times a month, you would be, would be incredible. So that you would, we would love it if you could do that. Um, and, you know, we've seen that continue, you know, to slide over the time. And particularly in the last few years, 
we have seen uh, that commitment model just continue to be, you know, eroded. People, what it means to be a member of a church, member of Parallel, an active, engaged part of this community just gets, keeps getting smaller and smaller. Um, I don't know what to do with that, but you're going to talk about it in your group, and you'll figure it out. So um, the next, uh, next slide here. So getting people to plug in is, uh, does have some interesting, profound impacts. So engaged people, invite people, people who actually like love your church, like come more than 1.6 times a month or 1.3 times a month, um, they actually are most likely to tell their friends about church. And so what does it mean that our commitment model is eroding? It means that people are going to be less likely to invite their friends, which means we will reach less people. So there is negative downstream consequence of people having less commitment to, uh, you know, what we do. WIFM, does anyone know what WIFM stands for? Has anyone heard that? that? It's like an acronym. Yes. What is in it for me? WIFM. People's, so this is one of those areas where you can debate me and talk about it in your group in a minute. Um, but people's orientation to the world has always been they are selfish. They are, what is it in, what is it, what is in it for me? But the culture has turned up the volume on this. One of the things that that social media has done in particularly is we are used to our experiences being fine-tuned and tailored to me. Do you know how radical of that idea is? That like you can open up your phone, flip through Instagram, and zero people in the world will see the same thing. That, that algorithm is learning you. It's trying to say, I want to find the exact right thing for you. And you've had this happen, right? Like you your talk, your, you know, like the one I had recently was I was talking with a friend about who lives in Paris about the Paris Olympics. I didn't even know the Paris Olympics are going to be in Paris. And I was talking about the Paris Olympics and he was telling me some cool stuff about the Paris Olympics. And all of a sudden, magically, what happens on my phone? Stuff for the Paris Olympics starts showing up. Now, I don't, I don't know what is happening there. Like that is, I, I, this is very strange to me that that's happening. But if you can get beyond the they're listening to us thing, and think about the fact that somewhere people are making a decision to try to customize this thing directly to me. Now, the problem with that is, that is people's ongoing expectation of how the world should function, that everything should be completely customized to them and to their specific needs. So what does that mean for us as a church? I think we have to articulate what we do. The language we have to, do, the language we have to articulate to them is how, being a part of whatever it is we're talking about as a church, how that is actually beneficial for them. You can no longer say, you should be in a small group. You, you need to say, you need to start with questions. Are you looking to connect with people? Do you want to grow in your relationship, you want to, with your relationship with Jesus? Do you have questions you're not sure what to do with? We've got this thing here at the church called small groups you should join. We have to position stuff from their point of view, from where they're coming from, not from you know, what, we, you know, what we need. It used to be the church is open, you should show up. That's literally the commitment model when I started. It was like, we're running something, you better come here. And we did. Like, that was amazing. People, and people, I know you find that hard to believe, but that actually used to work. Like, you'd, like we're going to open something, people would show up. Now it's like, people don't care. Um, they want to know what's in it for me. The, th you know, the third part of this is, um, you know, we need more metrics. And this is for people who particularly are in, like, leadery type positions. But we need more metrics than just... Uh, noses and nickels. So like how many people are actually attending stuff and how much money are we generating? Those are not good. Well, they're fine. You should track those things, but they're, they're incomplete statistics. We, we have to track more than that. We have to figure out how we track 
are people actually engaged? One of those examples would be, and I don't know what your practice is here, so I apologize for that. Like it used to be you would, we would, um, like we'd have people sign up for, this is true, we would have people sign up for small groups and then they would show up for small groups. Remember that? Like people would like, or, or you would say, I'm going to volunteer. I will get on a schedule to volunteer. You'd have like volunteer Sunday and people would sign up for volunteering. And then you know what they would do? Is they would, they would actually show up and volunteer. Like those two things were connected. But those two things are not necessarily connected anymore. People's intention and their actual action are two different things. And that's why we use stuff like Planning Center to try to track all that. What is the gap between you know, people show, signing up and showing up? That's an interesting engagement number. That's something we you know, should know about. Another interesting engagement number is like how many first time guests do we have every Sunday? You know, we used to just kind of, we didn't have to think a lot about that. People, guests would show up, we'd be nice to them. Now it's like, and I see it, you guys do it here. You're like handing out gifts and like doing like, you know, the jig to try to, you know, get contact information from those people. That's an important number because it gives us an insight into uh, engagement. So these are the three issues. The first one is this distrust of the church and church leaders. The second is this whole Gen Z, Gen, or Gen Z, Gen Alpha issue that people, kids, that particular generation is, um, you know, that we're, we're seeing a departure uh, that has been accelerated because of, the, because of COVID and, and all this stuff in the last few years. And then third is this commitment model. We see an erosion. People are less committed than they were. That's showing up in less participation. Thank you for listening to the Parallel Leaders podcast. If you're looking for additional resources, tools, and conversations to move your organization forward and capture the hearts of your community, check out ParallelLeaders.com. And make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Leaders. We'll see you next time.